The Body Love Binge is the podcast for you if you're so done with living in the hellhole of an eating disorder, hating your body and constantly wishing you were thinner. If you're truly ready to heal from anorexia, bulimia or binge eating disorder and genuinely make friends with your body, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Victoria Kleinsman, a food freedom and body love coach, eating disorder and abuse survivor who's on an absolute mission to love and support millions of women to come back home to self-love and intuition eating. If it's possible for me, I know it's possible for you as well. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you in the episode. Welcome Queens to another episode. I have the lovely Ivy with me today, who is behind The Real Recovery UK on Instagram. Incredible account. If you're not following her already, go and do that now. And Ivy uses her own experience with anorexia to help others online with practical tips and affordable resources. So I have Ivy with me today. I'm going to let her introduce herself now, but it's going to be a mixture of Ivy sharing her experience and also a bit of coaching and so I can support her with her continued recovery. So Ivy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So we'll start with the fun 10 quick fire question vibe. So you can listeners can get to know your vibe so question number one what's your favorite food uh I knew this one was gonna come um, <laughs> it's literally been my favorite my whole life so yeah awesome what's your favorite season of the year definitely spring yeah spring sweet or savory probably savory yeah yeah what a guess that with the cheese <laughs> Um, three things that you love. Uh, okay. Um, I love my family, my friends, and Harry Potter. Oh, I love Harry Potter too. What is your favorite episode of Harry Potter? Well, not episode. The which movie is your favorite? Uh. Movie, probably Order of the Phoenix, but then book, Goblet of Fire. Yes, love those two. Uh, next one, dogs or cats? Neither, because I'm allergic. Oh, <laughs> are you a, a people, like a baby person? Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, tell us something about you that people who know you might find surprising, if you have anything like that to share. People who know me would find surprising. Yeah. Um, surprising. I mean, it's very, very random, but recently I've been really into like maths, but I'm not good at it and I can't understand any of it. I just find it really interesting, like numbers and like weird, like number theories and stuff. That's just a very random thing, but probably that. Interesting. Yeah. I, don't like numbers I like English and like more speaking writing but yeah, yeah thanks for sharing um okay big question next what would you change about the world if you could let's let's narrow it down to one thing because I'm sure there's a lot of things you would change 
Um, oh my god, one thing I'd change about the world would mm. be uh, I wish that the world was less like I don't know, less like I don't know how to explain this, but I wish that it was less sensationalized. Like I wish that normal things because for example in like the news you only see like really extreme cases of stuff and like in general life I wish that like I don't know the normal things were appreciated more like the little things were appreciated more rather than like in, like extreme scenarios and stuff I don't know if that makes any sense but yeah it makes complete sense because as humans well obviously the tabloid with the newspapers and the tv things that sell or things that get viewers are things that are not normal and so we like as humans abnormal but at the same time we don't like it because it makes us feel less than <laughs> yeah so totally, totally get that okay number eight do you say this is just a really random fun one do you say scone or scone scone what do you say scone do you put your cream on first or your jam on first? <laughs> I've never actually done this, but I would have to say jam first. How are you supposed to like spread it on the cream? I do. do you... so, so I have the scone in half and I do eat one of each. So then I put the jam and then the cream and then I have the cream and then the jam because I like variety and I have to have it all if I can. <laughs> okay. That's, if, I, if I ever have a scone, I will do that. Yes, do that. <laughs> okay, random one also. Do you believe in a higher power, whatever that means to you? I don't know. I can't say that I do. But I I suppose I have like an underlying belief that permeates my life. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily say I put any belief in like a higher power as such. Okay, thank you for sharing. And the last question is, what what is your intention if you have one for this conversation? So obviously I know it's going to be a mix of me asking you things and then you asking me things to be coached. Do you have an intention for it, for the conversation? I suppose it would be really great for, obviously I'm going to get a lot of benefit from this. And I'm, you know, I thank you so much for that. But I think also other people, I would love it if they would like pick up something with some understanding maybe another like perspective and yeah just like whenever I've heard your coaching calls with people on your podcast it's always been really really helpful like one or two things would have just stuck so I hope that happens for other people listen to it yes me too and so Ivy let's start off with because I don't know much about you either so obviously we've been communicating in the dms but can you just share with me and with the listeners a little bit about you so your background your recovery journey and where you would say you are on your recovery journey and also what you struggle with um with the ADHD yeah so I guess my background is pretty normal don't have any like crazy traumas or anything in my past like I developed an eating disorder it's hard to say I developed it when I was 12-ish or something mm -hmm. but it was never it never escalated much and I managed to recover from it without any professional help because it was so short-lived you know when you're younger your parents can like pick up and stuff they picked up on something very quickly and just like 
got me out of some sort of energy deficit. So I don't really remember that. And then I suppose COVID kicked off everything again. So it's, I guess, 2019 to 2022. So I don't really know, but the, like, the COVID period, I got very involved with anorexia. And after a few months, got like professional help, got diagnosed with anorexia, OCD, anxiety. So I was struggling with that for a while. And then just over a year ago, started to recover from that. Um, so yeah, for the past, yeah, a little bit over a year, I've been recovering from anorexia. And then in the summertime, I got diagnosed with autism and ADHD. And then, yeah, I mean, I haven't really, I don't really like know much about them, to be honest. I don't really, they don't really come into my life that much, but I guess obviously it must be a big part of stuff. So yeah, that's just a bit about me. And then obviously I started my 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 shop and my business um also in the summertime to help other people because I'd come I spent a lot of time in recovery not progressing much and then I like had a some sort of mindset shift and I managed to make quite a lot of progress, like physical progress, like weight restoration and stuff, and also like a lot of more mental progress. And I just wanted to help other people share what I'd figured out. Um, and yeah, so that's been going on for a few months. Right now, I'm I'm doing quite well. I have obviously come a lot, long way from anorexia. Mm-hmm. I do struggle a lot with OCD type things, but it's debatable whether or not it's actually OCD or it's just symptoms of the autism. Um, yeah. And I've been on various medications, but I'm on ADHD medication, which is very helpful for me right now. And I do still struggle with anxiety and you know, certain parts of anorexia as well, but overall I'm doing quite well, I'd say right now, so yeah. Thank you for sharing. I have quite a few questions from the back of that. So let me start with, when you were diagnosed with the ADHD and the autism, how did that make you feel? Was it a relief or was it the opposite or both? It was very surprising, I'm not gonna lie. I was, I didn't, I didn't go, I didn't put myself for the assessment. My eating disorder uh, psychologist did it. Um, sent me to like referrals for that. So yeah, I was very like doubtful, and I was like, nah, this is just this is not true. But I guess over the last like few months, it, it does make a lot of sense. And I sort of noticed like certain things that I do, certain things that I used to do in the past that I thought were normal, probably weren't normal. I guess it's it's it it's a it's not a bad feeling, but it's not such a relief. It's more just like, oh yeah, that kind of explains that a bit. So I think because I personally don't haven't researched a lot into it, I don't know really much about it. Because it, a lot of people they have this like big realization, but for me, I don't know if it was that. It's more just like a nice to know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did a podcast as obviously, as you know, and the listeners know if they've listened to the one from last week, as I'm recording this anyway, this won't be out immediately. But I did one um, titled, I can't remember what the title of my own podcast was now, something like how to make steps towards recovery without just going all in and you'll be fine. And I took that inspiration from the conversations you and I have had in a DM. So do you mind those sharing like the things that you have realize like oh that makes sense because you've now been diagnosed what things were you struggling with that perhaps when I say normal in quotes by the way I don't mean I mean what the hell is normal but perhaps people who 
and normal people or, or more so the better language would be those who haven't been diagnosed with something struggle yeah. more so compared to what you were experiencing yeah I mean I I literally love that episode that you did it was so helpful um but yeah I suppose that what I noticed was I I the mindset side of all in and the approach in general made so much sense and I was able to like pick that up quite quite easily but I suppose like the practical day-to-day of eating without the restrictions and without the like weird structures and control that anorexia puts on things was probably I don't know if it's more difficult but it was definitely different than other people who I've spoken to who haven't been diagnosed with autism it's like a different experience because I suppose there's the added part of like sensory issues that don't have anything to do with um, fear of weight gain Mm -hmm. Uh, just like particular like um discomfort I don't know if that's the right word but like the sensory experience of food is different when you have autism uh, I suppose which made recovery difficult um and also the emotional reactions that I would have to things like I would find it very difficult and I would like shut down almost like verbally like I wouldn't be able to speak when I would get into those kind of states and that obviously made eating and all that kind of business more difficult um and also I think the like the neurology of autism or something um and ADHD I don't know which one would be affecting this but like I know because you as you mentioned as well in the episode everyone with an eating disorder has like black and white thinking but I suppose with autism it's just a bigger part of the brain or it's like it permeates throughout your whole life in other ways I don't really know but I just noticed that those things to the sensory issues the emotional things that like black and white thinking yeah they probably have something to do with autism and the effects on my recovery so yeah yeah how did you navigate those in in your recovery and then I kind of this is like a two-in-one but it might be answering the question I have as well now you said when you were sharing about your story you struggled for quite a long time then you all of a sudden had these like mindset shifts so can you share kind of around about those that you talked about and how you dealt with the the autism type tendencies and still push forward yeah I mean the mindset—I don't know if it's mindset shift or identity shift or whatever it is—but it was like the that was the most helpful. But to be honest, it didn't really help the day-to-day sensory issues and emotional issues and stuff like that. But it helped my um, my my belief system and stuff. So when I before I had that, I still had very much anorexic identity. I was I placed like my um, my like worth or not worth but like my my goal my direction of travel was getting smaller and smaller and smaller mm-hmm. and in my brain the opposite of that meant failure and everything and all the beliefs that come along with that and my mindset shift was basically just switching direction it was like I want to build myself up rather than break myself down and it took a lot of like convincing myself over and over and reminding and stuff but like just realizing that oh like this perfectionism this sort of like drive to lose more and more weight, this fear of weight gain, all this kind of stuff. That's something that I place on myself. It's not external, it's internal. So I have the power to then flip that around. Like maybe I won't be able to get rid of my perfectionist tendencies and stuff like that, but I can choose what I determine to be perfect or in control or whatever. I get to choose what that is. Um, even if I still have that like drive to do it, 
which maybe not be great but like at least now it's in a healthy direction and yeah. like you know what I mean like that really really helped me with especially with gaining weight and stuff like that when I had to do that um and also just in general like fear of losing control it was like well what if control meant listening to your body instead of trying to lose weight or something like what if I could just change the meaning of things so that was my mindset shift and then my like my recovery dealing with the sensory issues and stuff still was really difficult um some of the like black and white thinking was kind of what you mentioned in your last episode about like check boxes and stuff mm. it was basically just switching my basically what you said it was like switching my um my black and white thinking like this is right this is wrong I just changed the definitions of what was right and wrong like I haven't actually tackled my fear of being wrong I've just changed what wrong means so yeah. I don't that's great but it's a good middle ground and it kind of it helps on the day-to-day um and like the shutdowns and stuff they still happen but for different reasons I guess sometimes um and like dealing with yeah like the sensory issues of being full I guess it's still a problem but it's like less of a problem I guess just through practice and like certain emotional like coping skills that I have now with like using a weighted blanket or breathing techniques and stuff like that so yeah Wow. I, wow. I loved everything you just said. And I can actually relate to the identity part massively because it's something I do with my clients. Like it's taking your personality and your character traits and your values and, and all of that and using them for your advantage, not your disadvantage, instead of trying to change who you are as a whole entire person, which can absolutely be done because we can be who we want to be. But if you're a perfectionist, why not use the protect the perfectionist towards recovery instead of keeping you in the eating disorder? So I love that you shared that. And if you was to choose three things to share with us, if you had to choose the top three things that helped propel you further towards recovery, what would those be? Top three things, probably... Um... I mean, if I had to, like, give some advice, like, my main pieces of advice, my, they might be a bit silly, but, like, first one is actually just remove or reduce the amount of eating disorder-related content, and I just made it, I actually just recorded a podcast episode about this today, about, like, deleting TikTok, for example, and I think just, like, at least have a break, like, just, if you find yourself, or someone finds themselves on Instagram, or, like, maybe has those of friends with eating disorders or something like that um just like remove it from your life for a bit that's really really helped me like getting off social media in fact I'm on a break from Instagram right now which is again just a nice thing to do but that kind of thing so that's my first one second one is probably to um stop weighing like when I stopped weighing myself that was a big propeller um so yeah like when I deleted social media and I stopped weighing myself and third big propeller was probably um realizing that this sounds really I don't know how to say this without sounding really like sad but it's basically realizing that nothing matters like literally nothing matters because the most helpful thing I've ever done for myself was stick on my wall what's the worst that could happen and now every single time I get anxious every single time I would have gained weight and thought that was awful or whatever it may be like I just remind myself okay what's the worst that could happen and then finding a way to deal with the worst case scenario which never came true anyway but basically once I realized that that was like a really good life skill to have that was probably my third piece of advice is 
learn to deal with worst case scenarios, but also know that they won't contribute to them. Yes. So much wisdom there because that's exactly right. Our brain automatically worries about the worst case scenario and like projects into the future of the worst case scenario. 99.9% of the time, it doesn't happen anyway. But at least if we allow ourselves to go there for a few minutes to be like, okay, if this happened, then what? And you have like a little bit of a backup plan. You can kind of relax into what is a little bit more and then realize it doesn't happen anyway. (laughs) Yeah, it literally, it's helped me so much. That's great. And you mentioned weight gain a little bit with the worst case scenario question. How did you deal with weight gain? Because of, I mean, in my experience and my opinion, that's mostly at the root of the fear of most people in recovery. Yeah. Um, Well, I dealt with it. (laughs) I'm not just saying this, but I dealt with it by listening to your podcast on the daily, like, ones yeah. about um how to, to deal with weight gain because you were so clear like step by step you gave such like clear points and I was like okay this actually makes sense like anyway so anyone out there trying to gain weight or dealing with it listen to Victoria's podcast but anyway so how I dealt with it was basically I guess I would so I changed my decisions making process so like I before I stopped looking at the scale I would like have fears around certain numbers and I was scared about obviously gaining weight but what I would do is I would decide ahead of time how much like I would decide ahead of my way in I am going to gain weight and I don't care like how much and I would deliberately this sounds really weird but I deliberately like plan I don't know not plan but like I would deliberately have in my mind that I was going to gain or I wanted to gain a really high amount of weight and then when I really gained that much because I would set like a really high number that was just unrealistic and then when I wouldn't gain that much I would still a sense of relief and I don't know if that was a great way of doing it but that helped me in the very beginning then when I stopped looking at the scale um I realized that you know weight gain it's not as extreme as your brain portrays it especially when you like stop fixating on it just stop body checking as much that helps a lot um and also just realizing that I can handle it like if I had bad body image I could handle it if um, all these things I was scared of, I could probably handle them all when I did handle them all. And also just, um, yeah, like working on body image, changing my, like, I didn't I didn't want to gain weight, but I would convince myself that I wanted to. So then when it happened, I can't really be that upset about it because I decided to do it sort of thing. Um, so yeah, just make active decisions even if you don't want to make them sort of thing. Yeah, that that is so freaking powerful because when you said that you would, and it links in with what you've just said about convincing yourself you wanted to gain weight. So when you had this number in your mind, an expectation that intellectually you knew it wouldn't be the case, but you put this big number in your mind, the mind is so powerful. So if you're expecting that and it's less than that, that you, it's all about expectations. If you have a desire, expectation, a hope to get on the scale and it'd be less, if it's not less, you'll feel the dread of disappointment. And yeah. so I loved what you did there. I think that's actually very, very clever. Question around how, because I'm sure many of the listeners are asking this, how the hell do you convince yourself that you want to gain weight? I think it was just, for me anyway, I was just like, okay, well why do I want to lose weight? Like, what's, what do I, what do I achieve with that? And for me, it was the becoming better, in quotes, at anorexia, like with the perfectionism. 
But then I realised come on, like I'm in recovery, like I'm not I don't want to have anorexia anymore. So I guess you do have to have that identity shift before making yes. decisions. But when I realised that was like, okay, well, the aim isn't to lose weight. And yes, I may be afraid of the opposite and I may like struggle emotionally. Like intellectually, I sort of figured out that the only logical thing was, you know, I need to restore weight to be healthy. And also and also I just thought, okay, well, if if this is gonna happen anyway, like if I'm gonna be eating more, because I did want to eat more and I was on a meal plan, I had to eat more, sort of thing. But I'm gonna be gaining weight anyway, why don't I just like have my decisions aligned with it? Because I won't be disappointed, sort of thing. So it was kind of like preempting that, like, oh crap, this is gonna happen anyway. Like at least let me just get on board rather than be fighting it. I think that kind of that's how I decided that. It wasn't like, oh, I really want to gain weight because of oh X, Y, and Z. It was mainly just like it's gonna happen anyway. You've got to get on board. So yeah I I see when you said that I have a I have random visions come to me I see a train and before you lined up with your identity of like being recovered I see that you were at the end of the train you were attached by a chain and you were like flying but being pulled along by this train unwillingly whereas when you said you decided instead to actually go through the door walk through the door of the train and find a comfy seat in first class and sit your ass down on said train <laughs> i love this i can see this too now this is such a great vision yeah that's what you did instead of being dragged behind the train that was going anyway you decided to go first class <laughs> yeah. literally everybody go first class just decide you get to choose I love that and so before I ask you how I can help you and support you through anything you might be stuck with at the minute Ivy can you tell us about your business because I know I said at the beginning but your Instagram is incredible and such a helpful resource for so many and it's grown really quickly if that's if you've not had it for that long so tell us like why what like I know you you have your fingers in a few pies as, as well from looking at your at your link so tell us about that yeah I mean I started the business basically just uh selling one thing because I made these like flashcards and it was basically and I made them for myself originally because basically million times a day I'll be asking my therapist my parents everyone the exact same things like am I eating too much or oh my god what if this happens what if this happens what if this happens or it always just eating sort of thoughts so I basically wrote them all down and then wrote on the back what I knew that people would say to me what things that I found helpful for those particular things in the moment and like I'll just carry it around with me because the anorexia is so like controlling and so throws doubt everywhere all the time like 24 7 so even if you know something to get it or is instantly after being told it. So I just carried these like flashcards around with me. And I thought, oh my God, this is literally so helpful. Why aren't they a thing? So I just made them a thing and sold them. Um, and then I did the Instagram, just basically like promote it. But then the Instagram ended up being something just on its own. Like I love it so much. I just write stuff that I like think other people could find helpful, share it and then talk to people so no, yeah, it's just doing its thing. And then obviously that just snowballed and now I make like worksheets and stuff that from like my journals and my journaling stuff to basically all the stuff that helped me, I've like made it into a thing to help other people. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And they can buy it on Etsy. Obviously I'll put everything linked under here, but they can get it through your Instagram. Do you have like a link where they can purchase these recovery resources? Yeah, I do. It's yeah. on the tree, but, but yeah. 
Awesome. And you have your own podcast as well? Yeah, I do. That's more recent. It's on like episode nine now or something, but it's basically just because I write too much on my Instagram posts and I feel like no one's going to read all that. So I have to like speak it out now, but yeah. And what's the Nate, what's the title of your podcast? Um, I think it's just Real Recovery. Yeah, I don't even know. Oh my God. Yeah. It's Real Recovery. Everything's either Real Recovery or Real Recovery UK. Yes, yeah. I, I assumed it would be, but I just thought I'd check. And, and so Ivy, I would love to do a bit of coaching with you if you, I mean, you sound like in a really good place, but we all have our own things that we're working on, right? So how can I best support you? Is there anything that you're struggling with at the moment that I can ask you questions around? Yeah, I mean, probably there's, a, there's quite a lot of things to be honest, but I guess because of your expertise, it's more useful for me to ask for help about like, um, probably stuff around like self-worth and um, like, I don't know. I feel like there's, um, I don't really know, like it's hard to ask I don't really know basically what would you well, let me so already you've given me something because you've used the word self-worth and that you've said that for a reason so what does self-worth mean to you so if an alien from outer space came down and said Ivy what does self-worth mean how would you describe it like how how you think you are doing like how like if I guess how you value yourself in person, like how much respect you have for yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's no right or wrong here. I'm just curious to see where your reality is with what self-worth means to you. So self-worth to you means to honor yourself, to value yourself, to respect yourself. Yeah, I guess trust yourself as well. That's what I struggle with, self-trust. Mm. And so before I ask you about self-trust, do you think there is a difference, and if so, what, between self-worth and self-esteem? I wouldn't have thought so. So self-esteem is how you perceive yourself to show up in the world that everything is external. So a self-esteem would look like you have confidence in yourself to do your job well or if someone put you to do a task you would have the self-esteem to know that you will just figure it out I guess it's in it's very much intertwined with confidence so esteem is everything outside worth is everything inside internally so it has nothing to do with the external world it's all intrinsic it, it's it's knowing that you're worthy, you're deserving just because you're alive, which can be really hard to grasp as humans because we're so used to feeling like we need to do things in order to be worthy, but you already are worthy. And Brene Brown, you must, if you're an avid listener of my podcast, which I know you are, but I feel like I want to repeat this quote from the incredible Brene Brown. I don't know if you've heard me say it before, Ivy. And she says, why are we all hustling so hard for our worthiness when all we have to do is claim it? Yeah, that's a good quote. Right. And so if you like won the lottery and you went to claim your winnings, like how would you do that? I don't know. 
you would probably what pick up the phone and I mean god knows how you claim it but you what would you'd physically go and get it because it's yours mm-hmm. so the same is with self-worth like this is why it's quite hard to describe because it's not like a tangible action step kind of thing it's just deciding or more so remembering because you already are worthy it's deciding to remember that wait I'm alive I have life within me I've been born I'm a human so therefore I'm as worthy as anybody else that has been born it doesn't have anything to do with achievement that self-esteem self-worth is knowing you're just worthy because you are and so if you was to mark your self-worth out of 10 with 10 being you just know that you're innately worthy without having to like do something to earn something where would you mark yourself? I mean, I'd like to say just like 10. I don't know. I'd like to believe that. I just feel like um, the things I say and the things I do just don't stack up with that. Um, and like my thoughts just don't. They're very like, I always feel like I'm doing something wrong. So I don't know out of 10, maybe like three, to be honest. I always feel like I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, so thank you for your honesty because it can and it will get to a 10. It's just realizing that you are. And then also I'd like to talk about what's stopping you from knowing that you are. So you've already mentioned a a few things. So you always think that you're doing something wrong. Can you remember, and doesn't matter if you can't, but anything that comes to your mind when I ask you this question, can you remember the first time, perhaps as a child, where you felt that feeling of like, oh, I'm doing something wrong? Yeah, I can. It is literally like one of my earliest memories because I was I was in like nursery or something, like you know, like preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I did a bunch of naughty things for no reason, but I, I thought they were really naughty and I was so scared the whole day that teachers were gonna like I, basically I like broke a pen and like I tipped a glass of water upside down. This was when I was like three years old. Like the whole day I was like I was so like I don't know why I was doing I was so afraid as well. I was doing it by accident. And then at the end of the day, I remember feeling like, oh my God, this was so awful. The teachers are going to tell my parents and they didn't and it was fun. But that was like my earliest memory. <laughs> yeah. And so if you could describe, if you can link back to that memory, how did you feel in your physical body? Like little Ivy, when she was three, what was the physical manifestation of the, oh my God, I've done something wrong? Can you remember? I remember like doing this. I remember like clenching my fists, but I don't remember like how I felt physically. So tension, I'm assuming, if if you've got the the clenched fists. Yeah. Think back now as the adult. How old are you randomly, by the way? Nineteen. Nineteen. So th- so so think to the nineteen year old version of you who you are today. When was the last time? So it could be today, yesterday, last week, last month that you felt the same way or very similar to little Ivy when she she did that thing at nursery? Probably last night. Yeah. And so that's the trauma response that you had back then because any event that has intense emotion that's not positive is a trauma response. That's why you remember it so vividly. Yeah, I was going to ask you about this because I did not understand all this like emotion, like I don't understand how emotions can like stay with you because my therapist told me about this. So it's like 
the stuff that I experienced during anorexia is like apparently the same emotions are coming up now even though they're not relevant I don't understand that it's because when so when you have an experience because imagine how many experiences you've had since you were born up until now there's a lot of experiences like every day for 19 years so when we have an experience with an intense emotion so you have I'm sure in fact let me ask you for a tangible one now if you don't mind sharing give me a memory that is so filled with love and joy from when you were a child christmas day i don't know any christmas day yeah and so the intense emotions that you have around christmas day or had around christmas day are still with you compared to let's say every easter every birthday every tuesday because they they just kind of don't mean much but when we have intense emotions positive or negative they stay with us because our brain is always watching us right and so if you have a positive intense emotional experience at christmas when you're a child and i also love christmas as an adult and i'm sure you do too because you loved it as a child your brain is like oh this must be really important for her because she's having this intense emotional response about this experience. I'm going to keep that and have it available for her consciously whenever she needs it. Okay. The same thing, because your brain isn't a person and it's not like, it's, it's just neutral. It's not like it wants the best for you. It doesn't want the worst for you. It just is. So when you have a trauma response, let's say this that you shared when you were three, the brain watched you have that intense emotional experience, which in this case was negative. Oh my God, the fear of doing something wrong. It was so overwhelming and intense. The brain was like, oh, need to store this because it was like a big deal. And so there it goes in your conscious memory. Okay. And then because you were a child and you couldn't make sense of it because it was so overwhelming for you, you, we keep playing out that pattern and we keep acting out from our trauma response. So as an adult, if you look back, would you say a lot of your actions in your life have been because you're trying to avoid doing something wrong? Yeah. Yeah, and that's just our patterns and some of us have shitloads of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we can we can let them go, by the way. We don't have to live with these patterns forever. Yeah. And so the step then, the question then becomes, well, okay, cool. How do we do that? So sometimes it can be like one session. Sometimes it needs to be a few. Awareness needs to come first. And already you can see from awareness and through this conversation, your trauma response, your pattern, your behaviors are driven by the fear of doing something wrong. Yeah. So if, I mean, I would like to, if you're up for it, because I know this is like going to be out there for the world to hear, if you're open to me just taking you into like a 10 minute or so guided meditation to so I can do something with you and see how you feel after, yeah. are, you, are you happy to do that? 100%. Cool, because they can't see you anyway, actually, because they, everyone who's watching the YouTube, you've literally got my face the whole time. I do apologize, but I just wanted to keep that separate to her business. And obviously I honor that. So no one can see you anyway, Abby, apart from me. So whenever you're ready, just get comfortable. And everyone following along can do this at the same time 
if you're able to. But obviously, I'm going to be talking specifically to Ivy's situation. So you can also just go along with it. So when you're ready, just get comfortable. You can okay. lie down or sit up, whichever you prefer. Okay, I'm pretty comfy. Yeah. Okay, good. And then just close your eyes when you feel ready. And I usually also close my eyes and keep them closed. Okay. And I just want you to connect to your breath without changing your breath in any way. So just notice where you feel your breath the most. Allow your stomach to be soft. So many of us with healed eating disorders or eating disorder recovery, we were always like clenching our stomachs in. Just allow your stomach to be soft and round and relaxed. And now I want you to imagine a safe space that you feel really comfortable in. And I'm going to ask you some questions and I do want you to say out loud to me just so I can, I know that you're having this vision for yourself. So whereabouts are you in this safe space? Um, I'm outside under a tree. Okay. What's the weather like? Uh, sunny, but like not too hot. Are there any clouds in the sky? No, not really. Well, a couple, but yeah. Can you see any flowers nearby? Um, no, but like just lots of grass, young grass. And can you smell anything? Grass. And can you hear anything? Sort of like wind, but not, not too strong. And what can you feel either on your skin or on your hair? Kind of like, yeah, like really, really soft wind um, and like just kind of grass and I guess tree bark and stuff. Hmm. Okay, so just be in the feeling of that vision and know that this is your safe space. So whenever you need at any time, you can always come back to this space. Okay. And now I want you to allow your imagination to go back to that time at nursery when you were three years old. So you can be watching this on a TV screen, actually. So magically in your safe space, this TV just appears in front of you. It might not go with the environment, but there it is. We get to create what we want. And you're watching yourself on the TV tip out the water, break the pen. So you're watching that play out again in real time. So let me know when you can see that happening in front of you. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, and how does little Ivy feel in the part that you're watching right now? Really scared and also like kind of confused and like ashamed of what I'm doing it. Yeah. And so what I want you to do is go through the TV from your meadow, from your tree, go through the TV. And I, now you're with little Ivy. So you're in the classroom with her. No one else can see you. Little Ivy can. What are you doing now you're there with her? Nothing really, just standing next to her. What does she need from you? Um, I don't know. I suppose I could tell her that it's not that big of a deal. 
I shouldn't need to worry too much. Yeah. So she shares with you how she feels so ashamed, panicked, all the feelings that you're feeling as little Ivy. She shares with you how she feels. And I want to ask you, as the adult you that's there with her, what words of comfort are you saying to her that you believe? None of this stuff matters, even if even if you do like break a bunch of pens and like tip water everywhere, it doesn't actually matter because it doesn't no one no one's getting hurt and it's an accident, so no one's actually costing you. That's what I would say. Yeah. And do you want to give her a big hug? Yeah. Yeah, so in your mind's eye, give her a big hug and just let her cry if she wants to cry or whatever she wants to feel and express. It's safe for her to do so and you're hugging her as she's as, as she's expressing. Okay. And now ask little Ivy how she's feeling in that moment. I think she's probably feeling like really. Relieved, yeah. And is there anything else that you want to say to her before you go back to your safe space? I don't think so. Is there anything that she wants to ask you before you go back? Probably if anyone's crossed with her. And what's the answer? No. No. And why is no one cross with her? Give her an explanation so she understands. Well, on that day, no one was cross with her because one, no one noticed, and two, the, like, no one cared. I don't know. Like, no one thought she did anything wrong. It was just an accident. Yeah. So give her a hug again and tell her that you love her. And hear her say back to you, I love you too. And we've still got a bit of visualizing to do, but when you're ready, take yourself back out of the TV and back in your safe place and let me know when you're there. Okay, I'm there. Okay. And then now I want you to just allow yourself to almost like float up out of your body and you can see a timeline of your life. So you, it's like you're looking down on your life that's already happened. So let me know when you can kind of either connect to that vision or see the vision or just feel into where I'm going here. Yeah. Okay. So. And what I want you to do is go back in time to the moment that you've just been and witnessed again. So when you were three years old in that nursery and just very loosely look down on your timeline as your timeline is very slowly moving forward as you're getting slowly older and older but as you're watching your life play on this timeline in front of you you're noticing that because you cleared that trauma you're no longer acting from the place of am I doing something wrong and so you get to change history I know this sounds a bit weird but bear with me you get to now change your life as you know it, but having no longer been acting from that traumatic place of, oh my gosh, have I done something wrong? Am I doing something wrong? So just whatever comes to you as you're looking down on your timeline, allow things to change 
because you no longer have that trauma of doing something wrong. So I'll just, you don't have to say out loud, but I'll just give you some, um, some prompts for visions of ages. So fast forward very slowly until you're the age of like four and then six and just look down as if it's a movie and just watch what you're doing. You're around eight years old now. Now you're around 10 and you're changing your life. You're no longer acting from that place of not being, of being scared you've done something wrong. So notice what you're doing differently. Now you're about 12, about 14. Notice how prominent like your life is different, how you feel. Perhaps you've not had any eating disorder at this point. Now you're about 16. Notice what's changed. 17. 18. 19. And now you can go into the future knowing that you've cleared this trauma response of the fear of not not getting something right or doing something wrong and allow yourself to go into your future to the age of 21. What have you done? What are you doing? How is your life now that you're no longer acting from that place? You know you're worthy. You know you're enough. You know there's nothing that you're doing wrong. There's nothing to prove you're safe. Now you're 25, take a look at your life. Notice what the 25 year old version of you is doing. You're 28. And now you're 30. And I want you to go in to the 30 year old version of you, whatever she's doing right now. In fact, tell me what the 30 year old version of you is doing. What can you see she's doing right now? I mean, I just random being like, but she's like doing something in the kitchen. Yeah, what's she doing? I don't know. I think she's like cutting something off. Cool. And how does she feel? I don't know. She feels like quite doing things quite quickly without like deciding. I don't know. Like decisions are quicker. Yeah. And you get to ask her any question you want to ask her. So do you have a question come to mind that you want to ask the 30-year-old version of you? Um, is, is life easier? Is it easier than now? That's what I would ask. Mm. And guess what? She answers you. And what does she say? Yeah, she says yeah. And you say, how so? How does it get easier? What's her response? Because she doesn't like, she doesn't second guess stuff. So she just does what she wants to do or like what she thinks is right. Mm. That's interesting what she thinks is right because she no longer has the fear of getting something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So give her a hug and thank her for her wisdom and say you'll see her in whatever my maths is, 28, no, 
10 years, 11 years. <laughs> and she hugs you back. And I want you to float back along your timeline and see yourself in your safe space again. So obviously feel what you felt, the breeze, the warmth, the grass. And I want you to take everything that you've learned about yourself through this experience, feel the clearness of clearing that past trauma, really feel into the self-trust to make decisions from a place of ease with no fear of getting it wrong. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. How did you find that? I found that incredible. I've never been able to like guided meditations have literally never worked for me. I've never been able to like visualize anything. But that was really that was really good. I literally could see stuff. That was so cool. I'm so happy for you. And obviously the wisdom that she shared with you, what is that showing you? Because that's exactly what you needed to hear. And you got it from within, not from me. I just guided you, which is what a coach does. Yeah, I guess it was just like, basically if I ditch the whole, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong, then my life just gets a lot quicker because I can make, I can do stuff quicker without the whole like, and around. yeah and she fully trusts herself that 30 year old version of you fully yeah and the only reason she trusts herself is because she doesn't second guess herself and she does what feels right yeah and so here's an extra thing for you your google maps for your life is what feels right it's your heart it's your intuition it's your gut and so if you follow that there is no such thing as a wrong decision ever even if it ends quote badly you are supposed to be having that experience in order to learn and in order to grow yeah, I do believe you on that. I just, I feel like it's so hard to know. Even some things is obvious, like you know in your gut that you want to do something well, what if you don't know? That's going to be an issue. Well, the funny thing is, give me an example, if you can, it doesn't have to be recent, but it can be recent, where you had to make a choice or a decision and you didn't really know, but then you made the choice or the decision anyway. Just tell me about that. I suppose the easiest thing that comes to mind is just food all the time. Food choices is so difficult. And I end up just going for the same thing that I would have had the day before. That makes sense. Yeah. And so do you see that looking back in hindsight now, do you see those choices as the wrong choice? I think some of them probably have been. How I so? Mean, like restrictive choices that I would have just made because I would be too worried that I like I would literally not have known what I wanted to eat and then I would have just gone with something that I wouldn't have a day before even if it wasn't like I don't know even if it wasn't enough or even if it like was I don't know so but then I guess the time they're right they're the good choice because it's just I don't know easier and what I want but like yeah I don't know exactly right so with this because 
as an example that you've given, you're perhaps reflecting that it might have been a restrictive choice. Take a moment to feel into a choice that's driven or born from restriction. Does that feel right or wrong? I mean, it feels right, but it's almost like I know it would have been wrong. But no, it feels right. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, so knowing that your identity is someone who doesn't have anorexia, mm -hmm. what's more in alignment with the restrictive choice? Someone that has anorexia or someone that doesn't? Maybe it doesn't feel right, but it feels easier or like more safe than like kind of yeah it feels safe absolutely because that's all linked to the ed and then of course even this is where how the ed brain works the unknown equals unsafe and so if you quote survived yesterday having that thing your brain's like well I, I'm still alive so therefore whatever I did yesterday I need to do again today because then I'm still going to be alive tomorrow yeah, I guess it's just like repetition. You don't want to like break the pattern. Yes. So I want you to to tune in now. And I know that we're looking back in hindsight from the food choice, but go back there in your mind. At the same time, tune into the 30-year-old version of you and ask her, what would you do in this moment right now? What would you choose? That's a good idea. That's a good way of like doing it in the moment because like because I always think oh well I should just ask someone else but then that's not really they wouldn't know what I want but then 30 year old me probably would know that's quite a good idea I'll do that yeah 30 year old you she's she's a badass I mean you're already a badass but she's a motherfucking queen she trusts herself fully she gets shit done she doesn't second guess herself she knows exactly what to choose and the great thing is she is already within you you just have to ask her that's really that's really helpful see this is what i mean this is like so useful all this stuff i'm so glad and so homework then if you're a client of mine, this was the homework I would give you. So I'm still going to give you this. And I'd like you to send it to me on DM so I can see. I want you to just light some candles, get some nice music on, create a sacred space for you to do this. And I want you to write about the 30-year-old version of you. Write how she thinks, how she feels, how she acts, how she behaves, because she is the future higher version of you that you get to be now in every moment. And if you're unsure, you say to yourself, what would she do? And then literally do that. And before you know it, you will be her and you do not have to wait until you're 30. The reason I chose 30, well, one, because my intuition stopped there and I just listened to my intuition. And two, I feel for you, it's an age where you see that she's got her shit together. You see that she trusts herself. That's so interesting that you say that because I've used this kind of thing in the past. I think of my recovered self and I do what they do, but my recovered self is not that much older than me. So maybe it does need that like distance of 30. That's like yeah. really, really interesting. I've literally never thought about that. Yeah. So there you go. I want to see the 30 year old version of you. Who Tell me who she is. Tell me who that woman is in detail. And then she's going to be your North Star. 
throughout. It doesn't even have to be recovery related. It can be life related. But you need to get clear on who she is first. And then it's then that's the identity, the identity level. And then every choice will be easy. Wow. OK, then I will. I'll do that. Good. And I can't wait to see it. Yeah, no, I will. I'll send that to you. Thank you, Ivy. And thank you so much for being on here. This has been wonderful because you've shared your wisdom and that has helped so many, I'm sure. And you've enabled me to support you and I hope from doing that so many people as well. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for doing this. It's literally amazing. Like the amount of stuff you give out for free is absolutely amazing. And like you literally, so many people that listen to this, if they're anything like me and literally have their life saved by your podcast and your wisdom and it's just honestly so so grateful like you have no idea thank you I received that fully because this is exactly what I want to do for the world so Ivy thank you for for saying that I really appreciate you thank you so much my love you're welcome I will see you in the dms and of course I will tag you everywhere and then people can come and find your amazing account and you can support them that way cool thank you so much right lots of love have a beautiful weekend bye-bye thanks Ivy bye if you enjoyed this podcast please share subscribe and leave me a five-star review your support means the absolute world to me and it really does help me to get my podcast out there for those that need it thank you